Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is Tom Kiefer and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, John Astronomy here on Talking Metal with Mark Striegel, Midtown Manhattan. Mark, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We have a very special guest on the podcast today, which we're going to tell you guys all about. First time Talking Metal guest, and I've been a fan of this guy for a very, very long time. I guess, what, going back to 1986? Yeah, absolutely. I remember one of the first videos that I've ever had on videotape was the Shake Me video by Cinderella, and I saw Cinderella headline a show that Ace Frehley played in Johnstown, Pennsylvania in the summer of 87. Wow, wow, that's going way back. I remember seeing Tom and Cinderella on, uh, I guess it would be the David Lee Roth tour would be the first time I saw them. And then I believe shortly after that on the the Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet tour they opened up. I I think the Roth Eat Em and Smile tour was first, although I'm not positive about that. But I was just blown away by their uh, their sound and the quality of songs that Tom Kiefer and Cinderella had were always just so great. And I mean, I think that's the thing that always kind of put Cinderella above a lot of the other bands was just that solid songwriting. Yeah, absolutely. And they also had a vibe that I really liked, like a Les Paul playing band that kind of reminded me of Aerosmith and, you know, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, that kind of a thing. And, and uh, I've always been a fan of Cinderella. Heck, my uh, mom and dad even met Cinderella backstage, and uh, they're also fans. Yeah, uh, my wife, big fan. She actually saw Tom play a solo gig recently in New York City. I unfortunately couldn't make it. But, uh, I mean, my wife and I see Cinderella play every time they come through North Jersey. We saw them at Starland Ballroom probably two, three years ago. Um, we saw them more recently in Englewood, New Jersey, a great show they put on there. And now Tom is doing the solo thing. And we're going to talk to Tom about his new solo record, which is called The Way Life Goes. If you're listening to this show before April 30th, you can pre-order it on iTunes. If it's after April 30th, just go buy the record. We'll have links up in today's show notes that will open up your iTunes, take you directly to the record. We're going to check out a little bit of the music off this new album, this new Tom Kiefer solo record. In just a bit, 
But right now, let's check out some classic Cinderella. This is Somebody Save Me. Somebody Save Me by Cinderella featuring our guest Tom Kiefer, and that was from Night Songs, a classic, classic heavy metal hard rock record. We're going to get right into the interview that Mark conducted with Tom, and uh, we're going to start that out by hearing a track off of Tom's new record. This is called Solid Ground. Mark Striegel, and on the line we have Tom Kiefer joining us. Tom, we're very excited about your new debut solo record that's coming out next week, The Way Life Goes. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Good talking to you. How have you been feeling? We know that you, uh, it was reported at least, that you had pneumonia. Yeah, I came down with the flu in the middle of my, the first leg of my solo tour, and uh, I kept, uh, I stayed on the road with it and didn't get treated properly, and it turned into, into pneumonia. And when I got home, uh, it just got worse and ended up in the hospital, and I actually ended up uh, missing the Monsters of Rock cruise that I was going to do with Cinderella. 
but I'm um, doing much better now. Um, it, it took a, quite a few weeks. Whatever whatever the bug was that was going around this year, it was pretty pretty heavy duty. But I, I'm doing fine now, man. Thanks for asking. Good, good to hear. Now we want to talk about the new record that's coming out, "The Way Life Goes." Who plays on this record with you? Is it a set band on all the songs, or is it different musicians coming in and playing different songs with you? Um, it's it's pretty much the same musicians. I mean, the, the through you know on on all fourteen tracks, it's the same drummer, Greg Morrow. And same bass player Michael Rhodes, same keyboard player Tony Harrell, and I did, you know, probably ninety-five percent of the guitar work. Uh, I had a couple of guest guitarists on it, and uh, a couple of background singers and stuff that that you know came and went on different songs. Uh, Bobby Keys played sax on one of the tunes, so, but the basic rhythm section was all the you know the same people, so all Nashville players here. Cool. And is the live band you were touring with, are they the same guys that were on the record, or are they different no, players? No, it's different. a different bunch of guys. Okay, gotcha. And you haven't put out original music in a, in a long time, and I wanted to ask you about these songs. Are they newer songs that came about, or are they songs that you've been working on for a long time? Um, well, they were, they were new when we started recording them in 2003. <laughs> wow. We spent uh, ten years producing and recording the and mixing the record. Um, so uh, everything was written prior to that. Uh, I started writing for a solo record in the mid '90s, actually, and it kept getting put on the back burner. And I, I finally came back to the idea of it in 2003 and started cutting the the tracks. And uh, the record was produced independently of a label because uh, I was on the heels of a record deal that had gone very south and ended up in the courts with Cinderella so I didn't really want to deal with a label or lawyers or anything for this label and and that's why it took so long because it was really just you know for the love of making music and there wasn't any deadline or release date or budget or time frame that it had to be done in so I just took my time with it and your wife is involved in the record and she was actually touring with you too can you talk about her background as a musician yeah, she's a, a plays piano and guitar and sings and is a, a songwriter. Um, she worked here. She was in Nashville actually before me, and she worked as a, a, a writer down on Music Row at a, at a publishing company and produced hundreds of demos. Wrote and produced hundreds of demos down there over the years. And uh, she, uh, her involvement with the record was she co-produced. Uh, the record with myself and a friend of ours named Chuck Turner here, who's a local producer and, and engineer, who's who's a, a good friend of ours, and she also co-wrote uh, a lot of the songs on the record. Cool. Now, my wife was actually at your solo show in in New York City, and she said she was sitting right next to your son. Is is he shown any signs in being a musician? Um, yeah, he's very musical. He, he seems to be, uh, more interested in sports though, cause he's, he's really good at that too. So he loves soccer and basketball and baseball. And, uh, that's seems to be more his passion, but when he does, uh, you know, when he sings or sits down at the piano or even when he was little, he had a little drum set. He's very, he's very musically, uh, inclined. Um, and, in you know, he's, he's, He's good. He just not all that, isn't showing a lot of interest in it. Right. How old is he? He's nine. Nine. Okay. And was was meeting your wife what drew you to move to Nashville, or did you meet her once you got there? Well, I knew her before I came here, 
Um, but actually, when I when I first started coming here in the mid '90s, was um, the Cinderella was broken up after the uh, losing our deal at Polygram in the mid '90s, and the whole music scene was changing, the trends and all. And, and I came here and started working with some writers that um, that I really liked. And one thing led to another, and I moved here. And Savannah and I reconnected after I had moved here. So, um, but we knew each other prior to that. Well, interesting. Now, you've been real active as of lately on on Facebook, and I believe Twitter too. Is is this a new thing for you, interacting directly with the fans? I mean, I've seen you on there actually answering questions and and you know really getting into conversations with your listeners and your fan base. Well, it's certainly new in the sense of doing it through that technology. Um, prior to signing uh, the record deal with with Merivy Records, who we we uh, signed with for the to release this record, I didn't have a Facebook or a Twitter. Um, I, I didn't really know much about them. Um, I had tried a MySpace years ago, and I I couldn't really keep up with. They kept changing where the buttons were. Right. (laughs) Every time I signed into it, it looked different, and I I gave up on that. So um, it's very new to me in the method through which uh, interacting with the fans. I've always been uh, very interactive with the fans in person in terms of it shows. Uh, I always try to make time for them um, and talk to them in meet and greets and, uh, you know, even after the show. um, It's, you know, that's important to me. Cool. I wanted to go way back. The first time I ever saw Cinderella play was on the uh, the David Lee Roth tour, which I believe started in 1986. Do you have any memories of that tour you could share with us, touring with David Lee Roth? Was he a nice guy? Was he a dick? Um, you know, I don't talk about those kind of things. We had a, <laughs> we, had, we had a good time on that tour. Um, and it was, uh, you know, really the, the thing that, remind, that, that I think about when I think back to those days was just what a blur it all was and how fast it seemed to be moving because from the time night songs was released it just you know it just took off and it literally felt like a tornado just kind of reached down and picked us up and you know you're off to oz and um you know the the roth tour was our first big tour and we had a blast on that tour i mean it was just like you know the dream coming true and uh you know nothing but fond memories from back then you know Cool. Yeah, I mean, I saw you on that arena tour, and then shortly after that, I, I remember seeing you guys on the uh, the Bon Jovi tour that they were doing for Slippery When Wet, mm-hmm. and there was a, and a lot of a lot of arena tours I saw Cinderella on back in those days. Whereas in more recent times, when you've come through North Jersey, uh, I've enjoyed seeing you guys in more you know intimate settings in like Starland Ballroom, and I saw you uh, more recently in Englewood, New Jersey. Do you prefer the smaller theaters over the big arenas? Um, I, I like them both. I'm, I I enjoy playing music live. Um, it's probably my favorite aspect of the business. I mean, the studio's fun. Um, it can be um, a little torturous in there. So playing live is just a release because you're just in the moment. You know, you're not thinking about, well, I can do a better take. You know, right, right. You know, it's just it is what it is. So it's nice being in the moment. And uh, in terms of the size of venue, um, you know, we bounce around. It seems more in recent years when we toured like the last three years, um, you know, the agencies start calling them like hybrid tours now because we'd be like in a, 
you know, a 1,500-seat theater one night and then 10,000 people at a festival the next night and then on a, a bill with a couple other bands at a at a shed, you know, an amphitheater the next night and then a 2,000-seat House of Blues. And it's just very mixed up these days. Um, and, and that's kind of cool because it actually keeps you on your toes because it, the stages are laid all laid out differently and the... the uh, the acoustics are completely different, so um, it's it's not as easy to get into a rut on that kind of tour, you know. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, because sometimes you can, you know, when it's all the same kind of venue, you know, which there's a positive to that because there's a a routine and it, you know, it, it's uh, you know everything's very consistent. Um, but sometimes it starts to get a little stagnant, you know. So it's it's been kind of fun the last three years because we really are all over the place. Um, from night to night in terms of the type of venue and i enjoy them all you know i I really do excellent now the again the new solo album is due out next week the way life goes will you be hitting the road again with the the solo band to uh promote the album yeah we're going out um our first date is may 2nd at the canyon club in los angeles and we're going to work our way east um, do some West Coast dates and work our way east and pick up some of the areas uh, through the south and midwest that we missed on the uh, February leg, which was more northeast and parts of the midwest. Can you talk a little bit about what the set list will be at these these solo dates? Uh, can we expect, obviously we're going to hear a lot of the new music, which sounds great, by the way, and we encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to go buy it on iTunes. We're going to have uh, notes up in today's show notes that'll open your iTunes and take you right to the album where you can buy it. But let's talk about the set list uh, for these solo dates. Will there be Cinderella stuff, covers maybe included in the set list? Um, there's uh, both old Cinderella favorites and uh, a lot of the new material as well. Um, it's uh, a, a nice blend of the two, probably about 50-50. And uh, the the set ranges in dynamics, um, in as much as there's a a, a lot of very high energy, um, paint peeling, blistering rock and roll um, that uh, you know people have come to expect from me when I perform live. But there's also in the middle of the show about a four song sit down acoustic. Um, section where I tell some stories and I do a couple of the new songs and a couple of old Cinderella songs and talk about how some of the songs came about. So cool, fun, excellent. Now, can I ask you about uh, John Bon Jovi? He's always when you hear the name Cinderella and, and you guys, you know, originally getting famous, his name is is always kind of a, uh, attached to that. Did he truly discover you guys? Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he had a big hand in in getting the attention of the A and R person that signed us at Polygram. Oh, okay. Um, he was in in Philadelphia recording the second record, seventy eight hundred degrees Fahrenheit, and he after a session came into the Empire Rock Club where we were playing, and he liked what he saw, and he came back and introduced himself. And, you know, we knew who he was because Runaway had been a hit. And it was like, oh, that's a guy that's on MTV. And it was kind of exciting for us. And uh, he just introduced himself and said he really liked the show. And 
Uh, next thing we know, a few days later, our manager was saying, you know, uh, John Bon Jovi went, you know, he put a good word into um, your uh, his A and R person, Derek Shulman at Polygram, who actually had already had the demos. Um, that's why our manager knew this because he was in contact with the A and R guy already. But he wasn't crazy about him, and I don't blame him because our demos really sucked. <laughs> we were pretty green. Uh, you know, we were young and didn't right. know our way around the studio. And, uh, you know, what John did was he said, you know, to Derek, well, look, you know, I just saw him live. You know, why don't you forget about the demos and just go see him live? And uh, Derek did. And uh, he liked what he saw, but in typical A&R man fashion, he wasn't convinced. <laughs> right. And he signed us to a six-month developmental deal uh, where he gave us some money to write and record some more songs. So uh, at the end of that six months, he was he was uh, convinced, and he signed us to a full record deal. So, But, you know, John was certainly the X factor, you know, him walking into that club and then going to Derek and saying, you know, you should go see him, you know. Who knows if those words hadn't been uttered, you know, where we'd be. So certainly uh, forever grateful for for that. Excellent. And do you ever run into John or hear from him nowadays? Once in a while. I, I saw him a few years back here in Nashville, and we went to his show. We're kind of both traveling all the time, you know. Right. And now living in Nashville, are you doing, like, a lot of songwriting or session work for other artists or or is it more just concentrating on your own stuff mm, i mean since i've been here between touring with cinderella and writing and recording this record and just you know keeping up with my family my son and my wife um there's not much time for much else i mean that those three things keep me pretty busy sure um now that the record's finished i mean i've had a couple i've dabbled in a couple things here and there you know i, I produced some tracks on bow bice here uh, down on Music Row, he came here and recorded after the American Idol thing, and oh, cool. uh, another country artist here I had a, a cut with and produced some tracks for him and played on his record. But uh, his name was Andy Griggs. But uh, for the most part, just been concentrating on keeping Cinderella on the road and finishing this record, and um, you know maybe uh, maybe I'll branch out into some other things, you know, and then I'll finally let this record go, you know. Um, we'll see. Cool. Certainly a lot of uh, cool things to get involved with here in Nashville. I just really haven't had the time. I'm trying to keep up with everything else right now. So. Right, right. And would I know right now you're focused on the, the, the solo record, but would we would you ever consider doing a new record with Cinderella? Uh, yeah, we certainly would consider it. Uh, it would have to be the right situation um, in terms of the label and support. Um, the last situation we had turned out, poorly and uh you know i think we're a little gun shy from that and um, you know we'll see it's not for a lack of desire on our part but it would certainly have to be the right time the right place the right situation cool i got you well tom thanks so much for joining us today on talking metal we encourage all the talking metal listeners to go buy the way life goes the first solo record from tom kiefer well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for your support of the of uh, the record. Standing on the corner watching all the pretty girls go by. And I'm trying to play it so cool as I'm trying to catch the eyes. And I know sometimes by wandering eyes, it's brought some 
big thanks to Tom for joining us on Talking Metal. We encourage all you guys to support what Tom's doing and support what we're doing by going to today's show notes and using that iTunes link to open your iTunes. It's going to take you directly to his new record. And again, if it's it's past the release date, buy the record. If it's before the release date, pre-order it. And we get a small kickback when you use those Talking Metal iTunes links, as well as the Amazon links. That's another way you can support the podcast. Uh, Use the Amazon links or make a PayPal donation. The song you heard coming out of the interview was called The Flower Song by Tom Kiefer. And a big thanks to Amanda for hooking up the interview with Tom on Talking Metal. Let's catch up with John. How you been, John? I've been good. I just got back from uh, Los Angeles, and I had a blast. I was out there for almost two weeks, and uh, I did a little vacationing and a few other things, and then I was with Ace Frehley at the Monster Palooza three-day festival, and it was really cool. A lot of cool people came down to see Ace. Ron Jeremy, uh, one of the uh, classic stars of porn, he was there, and I had seen him two other nights as well. And I saw this picture, and I couldn't help but think maybe you took the picture of Bruce Kulik and Ace? Yeah, I did, actually. Um, I took that photo. Uh, Bruce stopped by. Uh, he's great. Uh, John Five came by. Uh, Twiggy Ramirez from Marilyn Manson came by. Chuck Billy from Testament came by. And I'm trying to think if anybody else came by. Slash came by. Of course, how can I forget Slash? Slash came by, and it was just a, a really, really cool time. It, it was so cool that everybody... You know, a lot, a lot of different musicians came down to support Ace. Did you say hello to Slash? Yeah. Did he remember you from the Rainbow? Yeah, he did. He goes, I, I reminded him that I was, and he goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. And he's like, great to see you again. So he totally remembered, uh, you know, the, the Talking Metal interview. And uh, that, was, that was a cool thing. that he, I could tell that he truly did, and he wasn't just kind of like saying he did. So that was cool. Not that anybody would do that, but, you know, sometimes people might want to be polite and say that they remember doing something with us. But it, I could tell that it was genuine. And uh, I ran into, you know, it's funny. I always run into John Five, and I, I ran into him just in a, like, in a hotel, you know, newsstand in Vegas. And... Uh, uh, he's he's always cool to see, and I was really uh, I thought it was totally cool that uh, uh, Twiggy Ramirez uh, came by, and then what was the what funniest thing is that uh, Chuck Billy and his wife came in, and they didn't even you know it wasn't like there was like special treatment like they just went in the line they got in the line went and bought something and came around and if I would have known I w- wouldn't uh, they wouldn't have to pay you know I would have got him in but they just came in and and Ace knew who he was which I thought was really cool that Ace kept up with some of the you know, harder, heavier metal bands. Excellent. Cool. Well, we're actually at the same Starbucks we were for the uh, Udo Dirkschneider episode here right in uh, Times Square. You missed a good show while you were in L.A. UDO, Udo's band, played. I checked it out with uh, Eric Bones of Steel, and we had a blast. (laughs) A lot of drinking that night. (laughs) That is classic. I wish I was there for a couple of reasons. It would have been great to hang out with you guys. But, you know, like I said, Except was like literally the third heavy metal band I ever saw live because I saw Queensryche open up for Twisted Sister and then my next concert was Except opening up for Kiss. And uh, so that was cool. I saw one concert in L.A., but it wasn't metal. It was uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, which was very cool. But yeah, I love them. I'm going to, a, I guess, a non-metal show tonight. They're loud, though. Muse, you know that band oh, Muse? That's like, I love them. What are they playing, The Garden? Uh, Meadowlands, actually. Oh, wow. Like the stadium or the... Uh, arena. The, the arena, you know, oh, probably like right. seats, probably 15,000. 
Yeah. Oh man, I wish I could go to that show. That's I, I love that band. And um, you know, I, I gotta say, we're in this Starbucks, and you would think, what what does Starbucks have to do with metal? And the, the truth is, nothing. However, a guy in a long black coat with black hair, white makeup, and like Alice Cooper style eyes, just came in and bought some coffee in complete costume. And I would actually be a little bit afraid to walk around like New York at this time because there's been a lot of stuff in the news. And, you know, if you're walking around looking like a maniac, somebody might think you're crazy. But uh, I, The best I, part of his costume was he had the jet black hair, but his roots were about two inches grown in, and they were just pure white gray. <laughs> yeah, and there was like a... Yeah, that was that was. I noted. I I even thought he put like white makeup on the back of his head. I said like, what's that guy? Have white makeup on the back of his head? But that's it, his natural hair color. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And uh, I think that he has something to do. And I'm only laughing, guys, because I used to and still occasionally dress up in outlandish costumes and stuff like that. So uh, I would fit right in with that guy. And I also have gray roots. But uh, what was funny is that there's this new place. It's used to be in the Show World uh, Cinema Theater, which was a uh, favorite haunt of mine back in uh, 91 to 93. I, I am a good person at this point, uh, kind of not really frequenting uh, any of the strip clubs as I used to. Right. There you go. Me, me neither. I haven't been there in years. Uh, anyways, let's. Uh, I got to head back to work, dude. You know, I, I know you got to get back. I got I had a little um, Motley Crue, um, uh, what, what would you call it, a... A little tip of the hat to Motley Crue when I walked by the Seventh Vale Strip Club. Uh, and Where's that? That's L.A.? Yeah, and I believe that that's a, a lyric in Girls, 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 yeah, right. and then uh, the body shop. But uh, when, when I think they refer to the body shop, I think they're talking about Fort, Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah, Fort Lauderdale. So I saw, I did see the Seventh Vale. Excellent. Cool. I, I, actually, I remember Eric Bones of Steel has spoken about the Seventh Vale. Yeah, he always, I think, hits there. Back when he was single and uh, used to go to L.A. But uh, anyways, this is a, speaking of my friend Eric Bonensteel, Eric Bones of Steel, he turned me on to a band which I didn't really know much about. They're called Heat. Have you ever heard of them? It's spelled H period, E period, A period, T period, but they don't say it like that. As far as I know, they say Heat. I may be wrong on that. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But uh, this song is great. you got to check it out. We'll let this song take us out of here. It's called Breaking the Silence by Heat.